0: You're listening to The Packernet Podcast Network Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16 Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning For lightweight, supreme softness That feels good every step Every street Every single day So go ahead Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore that app. Um, lot that I want to do today. We'll see how far we get um, with all the news and notes and whatnot. But um, I want to begin turning our attention to the Chicago Bears. I mean, it's getting to be about that point, right? What is it, Thursday today? I think we've gone long enough. I've been polite enough. We can at least start to look into it. And if you li- if you listen to... The uh, Packernet After Dark from two days ago. I started in on them. I have no idea what last night was like because I have not recorded that yet. If you can figure out how that works, also I believe it just got done downloading, so you should have ac- Let me just try to upload it now just to make sure. Right, so at the very least, it looks like it's going to work on Substack. We'll see how it goes. I, I got to work on that later. Uh, that took a long time. Anyways, I watched all his snaps. I was content with it. Nothing changed from what I said yesterday. Um, let's start with Matt LaFleur's press conference. He talked about the rookies, pretty generic. Um, really liked what he saw, but obviously they got some stuff to work on. Obviously makes sense. Um, probably the biggest news is the injury news. Let me just find the tweet here. I saved it cause that just kind of summarizes it pretty well. Cause obviously they ask like one at a time and the information slowly trickles out, but I want to see if I can find, um, the big thing here. I can't. Well, Tom Stein says, only player not practicing for the Packers today is guard John Runyon with a concussion. He was working out on the side. Bakhtiari, Lazard, uh, Q Walker, Quay Walker, and Nixon all working in pads. So everybody's looking pretty good. Somebody else mentioned who was limited and who's not. That might even just be, there might, oh, there is an injury report right here. Bada boom. Did not practice John Runyon. Limited is Lazard, Elton Jenkins, Jake, uh, excuse me, David Bakhtiari, Full participation was Jake Hansen, Keyshawn Nixon, Quay Walker. So Quay's full go, which is phenomenal news because I genuinely think even with his somewhat we'll call it shaky start, which is to say um, he didn't do as well as he could have, I just think the defense is heads and tails better with him on the field. Just when you look at the linebackers, he's so much more physical. He's so much quicker. And um, you know, no offense to Chris Barnes, hope he gets healthy and back soon, but. You watch him, and especially McDuffie, and those those offensive linemen get to the next level and just push those guys clean out of the way, which you know that's that's pretty standard. But Quay is just kind of a different animal, so I'm very excited to hear that. Uh, Bears injury report, by the way, Valus Jones is limited, Riley Reef is limited. Otherwise, everybody's good to go. I don't know the status on any of those guys. I know I, I believe Valus was out last week, and they're very excited about getting him back. I am actually somewhat nervous about Valus, not necessarily as a wide receiver um but as a kick returner makes me a little bit nervous I mean that was his whole thing and as stupid as that is to invest your first offensive pick into a over the hill kick returner um now we'll see I talk trash he's gonna end up getting 400 yards against our defense and then I'm gonna look like an idiot so anyways uh we'll see how that goes Matt LaFleur says nobody in the Packers locker room lost confidence in Christian Watson after his big drop. He says uh, the way the rookie wide receiver responded throughout the game, not letting the mistakes weigh him down, showed something. And, and again, he was out there for a long time, so he, he got a lot of experience, even if the ball didn't go his way. Uh, there's a lot of tape on both of the rookies. Um, so that'll be good for them to be able to go back, you know, get get that to the wide receivers coach and go over some of the, some of the nuances and details of that stuff. Uh, Lafleur said he thought that guard Zach Tom did a nice job filling in for left guard John Runyon. Mentioned the one pressure he gave up, but said otherwise he was physical and held up well. And I think that's what PFF said was one pressure. quite positive. So, relatively on the same page. And I am just going to put my phone on vibrate because I'm getting blown up. But hopefully I hear that and don't get in trouble for not checking my phone. (laughs) Um, Kind of an elaboration. Said Tom got beat bad on one play, but otherwise held his own. He said, quote, you can tell the moment isn't too big for him. When asked if Zach Tom could legitimately be a candidate to start this week, he says, I think that's something we're going to look at game to game. Um, Alex Leatherwood, by the way, who is the Chicago Bears offensive lineman, just recently they picked him up from the Raiders, sort of an early first-round pick that kind of busted out that they're giving him a shot. Anyways, he's on the NFI list, non-football injury list, so he's out at least four weeks. Asking about Aaron Rodgers and his uh, cooperation with the rookies and whatnot, um, says, quote, he's done a great job demanding the urgency of the young guys, yet put his arm around them at the same time, because we know there's going to be a learning curve. You can't expect it otherwise. And that was kind of the big thing that I was saying that I hope is happening on the sideline, because I don't know. I've never seen it. Um, I've never seen the camera pan over Aaron Rodgers on the sideline talking to the wide receivers, but it's not like we're staring at him all day. It could take three, four, five seconds. Just go over, pat him on the knee, and just say, "It's you know, pick it up. We'll get him next time." And goes back to his spot. But that's important. Uh, Lucas Patrick is going to be the Bears honorary captain this week. Obviously facing his old teammates, so that's kind of funny. Kind of an interesting thing here uh, via Ryan Wood. It says Matt Lafleur says having only two running backs on the fifty-three affects how much he can play Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon together. Quote. I think we're mindful. I wouldn't say we're limited, but you don't want to wear them out. That kind of makes sense. I mean, you know, not entirely, but I think without having a backup, you're a little bit scared of wearing out or possibly injuring somebody. But if if that's the case, considering how important it is that we get those guys lots of touches, bring up a running back. I'm sorry, man. I love Caleb Jones. I'm excited about the guy. Bring up a running back, okay, so we don't have to worry about this. The only other slightly interesting bit of news is that uh, we're continuing that uh, shuffling of the bottom of the roster thing. Mike Brown was just signed to our practice squad. Um, He was a 2022 undrafted free agent for the Minnesota Vikings. If we're planning on getting intel, we uh, picked the wrong guy at the wrong time, but, you know, it's something. Joke. I know it's not an intel thing. Uh, Mike Brown, through the preseason, he obviously played quite a bit, 107 snaps, had a 47 overall grade, 52 run defense, 63 tackling, 50.8 coverage, so not super spectacular as far as the grades go um seven tackles four assists two missed tackles 15.4 percent miss rate had two stops um as far as coverage eight targets five receptions for 78 yards he did have a pass breakup which is cool it's kind of hard to get those um special teams is obviously the reason that we got him though and he actually did quite well um I should check what he did in college but 34 snaps he played on special teams. He ended up with a 67.8 overall grade, which is not bad. Um, he's had two tackles in three games. No missed tackles. Again, 6'1", 218. He's he's pretty, pretty big dude. Again, the prototypical safety that I've seen is 6'1", 201 pounds. That seems to be the magic number. So 218 pushing 220. That's a big guy. So uh, undrafted free agent out of Miami, Ohio. Let me look at college real quick. Strangely, he was really good early on and then kind of floundered a bit. He had nine tackles, three assists, and one missed tackle, 701 special team snaps. This dude played a lot of special teams. 88 snaps on kick return, 114 on kick coverage, 111 on punt return, 228 on punt coverage, 160 on field goal block. So the dude did a lot of work. But of his nine tackles, Seven of them came in his first two years. He was at Miami, Ohio for five years. So then he went two years without a tackle, and then his final year he had two, but still, um, he is a pure special teamer. He did a ton of it in college. He looked pretty solid in the preseason for the Vikings, so not hard to see why he would be in the mix here for the Packers um, as a special teamer. Um, You know, it's funny. I remember, I don't remember exactly who it was that... um, that's Saturday. It. it might have been JJ or somebody. I don't know. But early on in this process, there was talk from Aaron Rodgers about guys not being up to speed. And weren't exactly sure who that was, assuming it's, you know, the, the three guys that we got. And then at one point, he said something. I don't remember exactly how this works. My, again, I, I memory dump everything, but it was something to the effect of he kind of talked about it and then said it wasn't Watson and the Hubs. And this happened shortly after somebody suggested that they think that a lot of these comments are about Amari Rodgers talking about young receivers not being where they need to be, not really understanding things properly or whatever. And so, you know, it doesn't go unnoticed. Granted, he's a backup slot guy, but still, I, I, when I went and looked at the Christian Watson thing, we had five wide receivers out there. No reason why Amari couldn't be in the mix on a five wide receiver set. We, we'd, we'd have like Aaron Jones, Tyler Davis. Randall Cobb, he absolutely could have been out there. He wasn't. Not once, I don't think. I don't know if he ran a single snap. Let me look. No, he wasn't on offense once. Um, So anyways, I bring that up because Aaron Rodgers was asked about Amari Rodgers and his fit in the offense. Here was his response. Quote, yeah, he's returning for us now. That's all I got on it. I'm telling you, man, that third round curse is a bear. If you're counting on John Runyon to do anything for this team, I'm sorry, not John Runyon, uh, Sean Ryan, not Runyon Ryan. If you're counting on Sean Ryan to do anything for this team, you're sorely mistaken. Josiah DeGuara was graded out really well last week, but um, there's almost no way that 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 gets any better. I don't understand the third round curse. If they would have drafted Amari in the second round, he probably would have been great, but they decided to wait until the third and trade up for him, and then he got cursed. But um, Rodgers doesn't even want to talk about it, so... Aaron Rodgers was asked about the run game. He says, we, ne- uh, we need to stick with the run a little bit more. We maybe reacted to the score a little bit. We were running the ball well. I think we ran it at about six a clip. So we got to make sure to stick with the run game and get our attempts where we want it to be. And again, that always surprises me. I mean, there, there must just be massive heat of the moment stuff, which is maybe why adjustments don't really happen because you're you're just constantly out there reacting and trying to go as fast as you possibly can and process a million things at, at once because." It's crazy to me that they don't think of this during the game. Running the ball is going well. We're not doing it at all. We should do it more. Again, you've got a staff of like 50 people there. You got people up in the booth that are doing nothing but crunching numbers. So, I don't know how I don't know. I mean, I, again, I'm 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 not even blaming cuz I know this happens to a lot of teams, but I I just I'm just astounded, I guess, at at the inability I guess to notice it in game and make an adjustment in game and by adjustment I just mean start calling run plays it's just it's just weird to keep hearing things like this like yeah we the running was going real well and we got away from it and we shouldn't do that yeah i i why didn't you know that in the game i don't understand i don't get it but again there's there must be some serious heat of the moment stuff when you're playing an NFL football game i guess another note on Elton Jenkins he did have two designations it was uh peck and Knee, pectoral muscle, and knee. Now it's just knee, which is probably the worst of the two, but still, hey, progress. Uh, comment from Aaron Rodgers on the rookie wide receivers. He says, these are good kids. They really are. They want to please. They want to do the right thing. They care about it. I'm going to figure out a way to continue to get them on, uh, get on the same frequency as them. That is that is an awesome sentiment. By the way, the, the question was, Aaron Rodgers is optimistic rookie wide receivers Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs will develop. That was the question specifically. So... The point is, obviously, they've, they've made some mistakes, and there's some nuance there that they're not getting, but I think Rodgers knows the talent is there for sure. I think he knows that for sure, and he also likes them as people. He likes their approach. He knows they're trying hard, and um, I think they're just on the same wavelength as far as having earned Rodgers' respect. There's, there's no issue there. It's just a matter of, we've got to find ways to utilize your strengths and get you up to speed as quickly as possible, and that's awesome. And again, I don't know, but I get a very strong feeling that that's not necessarily the case with Amari. I think that there is maybe not that level of respect from Aaron Rodgers toward Amari. And um, I, I would have to assume, and again, this is multiple layers of assuming, but I would have to assume that has something to do with a, his, his preparation, his lack of getting up to speed. You know, for example, Christian Watson and Romeo... Christian Watson out snapping pretty much the whole team as a rookie having had no training camp snaps and and i get it right he was a second round pick which is super special compared to a third round pick but what about romeo dobbs the fourth round pick the fact that he's able to get on the same page and produce at a high level quicker than amari who's been here since last year i think rogers just has a general frustration or it's not even frustration you know you know that it's not really a saying but people say things like uh I don't mind when he yells at me because it means he still cares. It's when he stops yelling that you worry. I think, I feel like that's where Rodgers is with him. He's kind of just like, you know what, we're moving on. If you figure it out, come catch up with us. But I'm not going to sit here and and baby this situation anymore. I mean, again, I don't know. and It's entirely speculation, but you tell me why a second-year wide receiver can't get on the field. And it's not because, well, he's a backup to Cobb and you only have one slot guy. Again, I've told you that's not true. I went back and watched all the Christian Watson stuff, and there were, first of all, a heavy rotation, heavy rotation of wide receivers. He could have slipped in anywhere, and and multiple four and five wide receiver sets where he could have been a slot guy. They also could have put him in the backfield. They could have done a lot of things. I mean, you can spell Randall Cobb, for crying out loud, for a couple plays. Not once did they do that. Not once. Oh boy, and we got some audio. Um, I'm going to play this. As you can tell, these things are coming in as I'm recording. It's Kind of Why I'm just kinda of sitting around <laughs> waiting for more because these things are coming in. Um and I don't want to do this last. So, anyways, here is the audio of the question and the answer from Aaron Rodgers, and you gotta kinda of see the video a little bit. Um, but it it still comes through on the audio. What's your outlook on Amari Rodgers and where he fits on this offense? Because last year he was pretty non existent and then last week he didn't he didn't get out there for an offensive snap. Yeah, he's returning for us right now. That's all I got on it. And if you notice, the question was, "What is your outlook on Amari Rogers?" He hasn't really done much recently, and he takes a long drink of water and just kind of sits there and says, "Yeah, he's returning for us." And then uh, just kind of, you know, grits his teeth and shrugs your shoulders and says, "It's all I got." I mean, it just feels like there's there's palpable frustration. And Rodgers, it's kind of funny when Rodgers talks, he, he, he approaches things like a coach. You know, it almost feels like his answer is, yeah, I, we've got him returning right now. You know what I mean? That he is on the same page as the coaches for all the same reasons. He's not ready. And, and again, I, I don't think it's a talent thing. Maybe it is, but I doubt it. I don't think it's a matter of he really knows what he's doing out there. He just sucks at football. I think it's, he doesn't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they're just scared of losing their returner, and that's all there is to it. I don't know. I, it, whatever. But it sounds bad. <laughs> Basically, the audio and the video combined is exactly how I heard him saying this in my head when I was picturing him saying it with a whole lot of attitude. This was pretty much it, and the pauses—two <laughs> long, uncomfortable pauses in there. Yikes. Anyways, let's get this uh, shifted over to something. A little bit more anti-Bears than uh, complaining about the Packers. So again, spent a little bit of time um, looking at some stuff. And this will be a lot more interesting to you if you don't listen to Packernet After Dark because I went over this a little bit. Um, I'm not going to do any more. My plan was to go over five years for all 32 teams. I don't think I want to do that. I got through one, two, three, four, five, six, six and a half teams and I called it. Here's what I was doing. I went back through PFF, and I went through each individual team, and I said, what is the worst game you've ever played but still won? Overall team grade. So for example, over five years, the Arizona Cardinals, and it's very consistent for a lot of teams, their grades were 60, 61, 64, 61, 59 and a half. So right at around 60. They had one game that was about a 65. Falcons were a little bit higher. 62, 68, 67, 72, 70. Ravens 61, 65, 61, 63, 63. These are generally right around 60 is is the area in which you can be bad and still find a way to win. The lowest grade I've found so far was the Chicago Bears in 2020, 58.7, still right in that 60 range. If we look at, this is where I kind of left off because I found it interesting. The Cincinnati Bengals in 2019, won two games. They were their two highest-graded games. Shouldn't be that surprising, right? But just goes to show there's a correlation between team PFF grades. For those of you that are PFF skeptics, oh, that's stupid, it doesn't mean anything. Okay, well, there's a direct correlation between how high the team grades and whether or not they won that actual game. 78.6 overall grade, they won. 70.7 overall grade, they won. 69.8 overall grade, they lost. And they lost every game under that. In fact, pretty... High scoring games that they probably should have pulled off a couple of these and didn't. There's um 11 games or so that were in that 59 range, 59 to 63-ish or something. They didn't win any of them. But still, every game that was significantly below, for example, the 56, 52, and 46, automatic loss. And if you go go to the bottom, These really bad games, like 46 overall grade, they lost 41 to 17. Usually those are kind of blowouts. If we look at the Packers, for example, let's just fast forward to the Packers and take a look at some of the stuff they've done. We'll start with last year. Last year, there was a pretty direct correlation between wins and losses with the exception of two games. So every game in which they scored a 68 overall grade or higher they won, below a 68 they lost, again with the exception of two. Number one is the Minnesota Vikings game. They had a 72.4 overall grade, and they lost that game. They lost it because the Vikings scored 34 points. The offense graded out really well. The defense didn't. There you go. The lowest graded game they had that entire year was against the Arizona Cardinals, and they won. But it was still a 60.4 overall grade, which is pretty crazy, you know, to to show how good of a team the Packers were. That their lowest graded game was a 60.4 overall grade. Yes, that includes the Saints game. And yes, our grade this past week was worse than any any game last year. 55.8 overall grade. And yes, we lost because, again, it's a 55.8. There's a point to all this, just bear with me. 2020, almost every game was phenomenal. The third worst game we had, 71.3 overall grade. Two bad games. Minnesota Vikings week 8, 59.2. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, go figure, week 6, 58.3. Lowest graded game that we actually won was a 72.5. 2019, lowest graded game we won was a 63, right in line with everybody else. The lowest graded game overall was a 53 and we lost that 37 to 8. That was the 49ers. Other lowest graded game 56. So again, the point is 60 ish, she got a shot. Usually if your your lowest game is is at least a 60. And then if you drift down to the low 50s, you're getting blown out. 2018 our second lowest game was a 66. Third lowest game that we won was a 66-6 against the Jets. So again, right in line. But there was one really bad game with a 50.9 overall grade. You know what game that was? 31 nothing Lions. So you can almost predict these things. I can almost show you. I mean, 2018 was actually an abomination because we graded out quite well in a lot of the, I mean, you know, not amazing, but 67-69, 70-70, 71-71. We lost those games. we we'll tied the Vikings in one of them. But 2018 was a disaster. Talk about underperforming—it was the worst thing I've ever seen. But again, the fact that you see that fifty and, you, and just without even looking at the score, you can say, "I bet that was a blowout," and it was. Why does any of this matter? Well, first of all, we got a fifty-five point eight overall grade. We lost twenty-three to seven. That seems about right. But what I'm more interested in isn't the Green Bay Packers; it's the Chicago Bears. I have never seen anybody with even a fifty-five overall grade win ever. The Chicago Bears won this game with a 47.1 overall grade. I have, I have, I don't know if I've even hardly seen a 41 overall grade. Let me find some really trash teams over the last years and see what some of the lowest grades were. Try to find some 47s and see what those scores were. Atlanta didn't have a single game under 50, and their 50 overall grade game was a 25-0 loss. 51 was a 32-6 loss. 54 was a 43-3 loss. 55 was a 31-13 loss. Every game in the 50s was a blowout. They didn't even have a single game in the 40s. Denver was pretty bad. They had one in the low 50s. It was a 22-9 loss. Again, a blowout. Didn't have a single game in the 40s. Detroit Lions did not have one game in the 40s. Their lowest was a 51.4. Take a wild guess, wild guess what the, the point differential was. They lost that game 44-6. Their second lowest grade was a 54.3. They lost that game 24-14. to 14. That's a 10-point loss. How about the Texans? The Texans did have games this bad. They had one game that was worse than the Bears. They had two games in the 40s. You know what those scores were? The two games that they played where they got grades in the 40s 31 to 0 and 31 to 5. The Bears won the game with a 47 ish some odd grade, won the game 19 to 10. This is one of the worst performances by a football team. In the last 365 days, I found one so far. It's the Texans and Colts week 13 when the the Colts beat the Texans 31 to zero. It's the only game I found that's worse. The Cardinals and Texans game is about the same grade and the Cardinals uh, beat them 31 to five. Bears fans right now are doing victory laps. They are proving the haters wrong. The Justin Fields haters can eat some crow because Justin Fields really put on a show for the folks. And by the way, don't give me this rain BS. Go back and watch the game. There was very light rain for about three quarters. There was one quarter of heavy rain, and it affected the 49ers trying to come back. And by the way, the 49ers played in that same rain. And by the way, this isn't the only time rain has ever interjected itself into a football game. And rain doesn't just make everything worse. If rain makes things harder for the offensive line, it should make it easier for the defensive line. There should be more pressures. If there's not more pressures because guys can't get their footing, it should make it easier on running backs and quarterbacks because there's no pressure. Somebody should be the beneficiary of this. I would think the defense would look quite good. We saw the very low scoring game, but they're doing victory laps. D- dominant defense, bro. We beat a top five team. You don't understand, the 49ers are the team that went to the NFC Championship game last year, exact same team, no difference whatsoever. There wasn't a different quarterback or anything. Same exact team that knocked the Packers out of the playoffs and went to the NFC Championship game. They got a top five defense, bro. They literally didn't have a top five defense even last year, but that's what they're going around saying. They have a top five defense, elite football team. By the way, Trey Lance, super good quarterback. I don't know what everybody's talking about. Bears fans going to bat for Trey Lance is just hilarious. There's this sort of kinship between Justin Fields and Trey Lance and Bears fans and 49ers fans banding together to prove the world wrong that both of these guys are great quarterbacks, which, by the way, we're going to get to that. Well, I guess we already talked about that, but don't need to pile on too much more on that. But they really believe they beat a Goliath. That's what they believe. Again, I'm not going through every single game I've decided against it. If somebody else wants to go do that work, go for it. But that is potentially the worst Overall performance, the worst graded team via PFF in history to actually win the game. One of the lowest graded team games in history, period. Again, I found one last year so far. Oh, the Jaguars had one too. They had one game lower, 43 uh, overall grade. You want to know what the score was in that game? 37 to 7. The bottom line is, if the Chicago Bears had played even a halfway competent and prepared football team you'd be looking at a complete blowout. But thanks to Trey Lance and a 49ers team that was completely disorganized and stupid and getting penalties every other play, leading the league in penalty yards, because of that, they were able to sneak out a victory. They scored 19 points. Seven of it was on a completely blown play. Wide open player. Which, by the way, they're going to try to convince you that he got wide open because of what kind of magic juju Justin Fields and the wide receiver did. They faked. A, they faked out the entire defense and forced the defense to evacuate the right side of the field through trickery and eye movement. <laughs> it's so stupid. But anyways, for those that refuse to acknowledge it, they're, they're looking at it. And go, that's stupid. Um, PFF is is ridiculous. First of all, there's already a problem. We're, we're we're gonna we'll go beyond the grades, but there's already a problem with the idea that PFF is stupid. So this should be this entire dialogue should be disregarded. And it's the simple fact that there is correlation. If the grades are useless, it would be random. You would not see what I'm looking at, which is when you sort by grades, the higher the grades, the more the wins; the lower the grades, the more the losses. And the the higher the grades, the bigger the wins; the lower the grades, the bigger the losses. So to say that PFF grades don't mean anything would imply that it should be random, and there should there's absolutely no correlation whatsoever between their grades. And actual, real-life performance, because they do such a bad job of evaluation. But that's not the case. I can almost look at a grade and tell you, first of all, whether they won or lost, not necessarily in the 60-70 range, because that's kind of 50-50. I, I take a shot at it and probably get right more than, more than not. But if you start talking 80s and 90s, or 50s and 40s, I've got like a 99% chance of getting that right. Call it 95, if you want. So that's already a major hurdle for you to get over. How do you explain such a high rate of correlation? But, all right, I'll concede it. After the break, we're going to come back and actually look at what the Chicago Bears did. Actually look at their production. So that we can see whether or not they deserve that grade, or if they deserve the win, because it can't be both. If you earned that garbage of a grade, you did not earn a victory. You should have lost. In fact, you should have lost big. And having watched that game, I'm fairly confident in saying that team should not have won anything. But... We'll, we'll let it speak for itself. Uh, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore dada. I was trying to get the video over on Patreon, but then I realized I have to put it on YouTube first, and YouTube will strike my account real hard. I got a um, a hard strike, and you get three of those, and they will completely ban your account. So I cannot do that again. I forgot about that. I'll try to find another way, but I don't know. Um, Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministry. Really love your support with that. You can find links to that pinned to the top of my Twitter as well as the Facebook group if you want to get more information about what it is exactly that they do there. Finally, pristineauction.com doing another giveaway. You got to hurry up, though. You've got until, uh, I believe, Sunday because Monday they're going to be doing the drawing. So I I guess if you get up real early and do it on Monday, that would be fine. But might as well just do it now. Please head over to pristineauction.com. It has to be a new account. Obviously, you're registering. That's the whole point. So go register with them. Get an email. Go over there, register, Um, click on the registration button, scroll down, you'll find uh, the registration code, put in Favre, F-A-V-R-E, that'll let them know that it's the Packernet podcast that sent you over. I know, I didn't didn't pick Favre, I know the guy's in trouble right now, that wasn't my thing. That was their decision. (laughs) Anyways, get registered and they're going to give one lucky winner a signed Super Bowl trophy, it's a replica, signed by Jordy Nelson. All right, let's have some fun. So the uh, Chicago Bears, we've already established, at least not not fundamentally, obviously, because you know there's there's a lot more that needs to be proved, and I have not done a good enough job of proving everything. Blah blah blah. Um, fine, you can't just say that they were one of the worst teams to ever win a game or worst team performances to end in a victory. That's not fair. You can't just do that. What? Just because PFF says? You believe everything they say? Well, m- maybe. Let's 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 dig a little deeper. Because the funny thing is the other side of the argument is what? It's nuh-uh. <laughs> That's it. So let's let's uh, let's meet in the middle here, shall we? We picked on Justin Fields a little bit already. But we're going to do it a little bit more. Yesterday I think it was, we looked at SIS, right? We looked at SIS and what did we find out? We found out that Justin Fields threw the least amount of catchable passes, or not amount, but lowest percentage of catchable passes. 41.7% of his passes weren't even catchable. Not slightly off, not a little bit off target, not a little low, a little high. The receiver had no chance. Worse than the NFL. Again, I'll, I'll give you a little bit based on the rain if you want, if you need that. Again, he was he was one of the lower ones last year as well, but that's fine. We also find out that if you bump his passes out to at least five yards, so none of this at the line of scrimmage stuff, right? We got to at least be thrown at five yards before it matters. 42.9% of his passes were catchable. That's to say 57.1% of his passes were uncatchable. And and here's the thing. It's one of two things. It's either he played poorly because of the rain, or he played really, really well. Bears fans are trying to play both sides of that fence. Justin Fields looked great. Justin Fields looked amazing. Did you watch him? It was a great performance. Okay, here's all the stats saying he sucked. Well, that's because of the rain. Oh, so you agree. He did suck. Okay. Well, as long as we can agree on that, then fine. We'll blame it on the rain. So you guys played like garbage, but hey, it's the rain's fault. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. So, so we know nothing about the Bears then. We don't know a single thing about the Bears. We just know that they suck, but it doesn't count because of the rain. That's fine. It's also week one, you know. Packers had a bad week. A lot of teams had a bad week. It's week one. Can't tell me they look good, though. Going over to PFF. Passing grades. Ready? Kirk Cousins second highest with an 83.4. Aaron Rodgers was quite a ways down. He was 20th with a 59.5 passing grade. Jared Goff was 30th with a 47.6. Justin Fields with a 34.6 passing grade. Well, that's just because of the rain. Well, maybe. He had a nearly identical grade last year against Tampa Bay Week 7. He had passing grades in the 40s three different times. But yeah, maybe. Maybe it's just the rain. But again, so long as we acknowledge he was bad because of the rain, right? Because it's not disputable that he was bad. We can't dispute that. He was he was trash. You can talk about Mike March being an idiot all you want. You might have some points there. I don't know. But he was right about how Justin Fields looked really bad, right? We're agreeing on that? By the way, Trey Lance played in that same rain. He didn't have a good day, but he had a 52 overall passing rate. He ranked uh, 27th above Jared Goff, above Joe Burrow, Jacoby Brissett, Derek Hart, Dak Prescott, and yes, Justin Fields. But yeah, maybe Justin Fields and Trey Lance would have basically been Aaron Rodgers and, and Kirk Cousins if it wasn't for the rain. It's possible. How about big-time throws? What, what about big-time throw percentage? You know Trey Lance is number one. And big-time throw percentage in the NFL, 6.9% of his passes were big-time throws. Justin Fields is tied for 23rd with zero. He didn't have a big-time throw in that entire game. What about turnover-worthy plays? The rain obviously makes it tough, but Trey Lance actually didn't do that bad in this game in terms of turnover-worthy plays. He was 15th. 2.8% of his passes were turnover-worthy. Kirk Cousins is tied for number one with a bunch of guys with zero. Aaron Rodgers, pretty rough, 26th with 5.3%. It's pretty high. That's unfortunate. He had two turnover-worthy plays on his 38 attempts. So 26th out of 33 is where Aaron Rodgers is. So you could surmise correctly that he's near the bottom. Do you know what Justin Fields' percentage of turnover-worthy plays was? What percentage of the time when he threw the ball should it have been turned over? 12.5% of the time. He was dead last, or number one, depending on how you want to look at it. Three of his 17 throws were turnover-worthy. So he had two touchdowns and a pick. But from PFF's perspective, it may as well have been two touchdowns and three interceptions. The fact that the defense couldn't capitalize on it is somewhat immaterial to the fact that Justin Fields threw a pick. I mean, let's be honest about that. If you throw a ball and it hits the defender in the chest and he drops it, does that make your pass any better? Whether he catches it or not, does that change? Your decision-making, your accuracy, any of that, nothing changes. It has no bearing on how bad you are. So as far as I'm concerned, Justin Fields threw two touchdowns and three interceptions. And yes, that means Rodgers threw zero touchdowns and two interceptions. How about adjusted completion percentage, which is completion percentage minus all the garbage, you know, the drops and everything, because it's rainy. So if a guy drops it, we're not going to ding you for that. The second lowest adjusted completion percentage is Dak Prescott at 55.6%. Trey Lance is at 61%. Justin Fields, 47.1%. Even when you adjust and take away all the garbage, he doesn't get to 50%. By the way, zero drops in this game. That's weird because I thought you weren't able to perform at a high level when it rains. There has to be the assumption of drops. The 49ers, they had three drops. The Bears had zero. So that kind of went in their favor too. But the point is, it's possible... To play good football even though it's wet things don't have to be bad they could be good it's weird I don't know it's kind of a strange thing I wouldn't have thought of that time to throw who is the slowest to get the ball out of their hand Justin Fields by a mile there were five quarterbacks that were over three seconds only five the second slowest to get the ball out of their hand Lamar who always is that way because he likes to run around behind the line of scrimmage 3.3 seconds you know what Justin Fields was 3.64 seconds. Somebody, one of the Bears fans made a good point. It should be, you know, when you're standing in the pocket, how long does it get out of your hand? Because scrambling kind of whatever. That's fair. I wish SIS had time to throw because they do have scrambling and stuff in here, but they don't have time to throw, so I can't do that. But all right, that's enough of Justin Fields. It's not fair. It was raining. Let's look at the wide receivers for a second. It's another area where they proved the haters wrong because there were two wide receivers that got touchdowns in this game. Proved all the haters wrong. There were only two wide receivers, when you filter out guys that didn't play enough snaps, um, only two receivers that made it on the board, Equinemius St. Brown and Darnell Mooney. They're elite number one wide receiver. Equinemius St. Brown ranked 54th, Darnell Mooney out of 88 receivers ranked 81st. Now, to be clear, out of 88 wide receivers, Christian Watson ranked 88th. I'll I'll just flat out say that. I'm not worried about it, because I saw that dude run wide open. Yeah, 29 drop grade, that sucks. That's going to hurt. You didn't really get a lot of other opportunities outside of that. That's fine. It'll change. Not worried about it. However, Randall Cobb had a higher grade than any of these Bears receivers. Romeo Dobbs is even higher than that. But the point is, the quarterback was bad. The wide receivers were bad. How about their stud running back? David Montgomery. Freak among freaks. 46 uh, running backs that took snaps. Um, at least significant enough snaps. Do you know where David Montgomery, their stud running back ranks out of 46? He ranks 45th. Well, that's not fair because, you know, that's just grades and who cares. Okay, he had 1.5 yards per attempt. you going to sit here and argue with me about this? 17 attempts, 26 yards. Longest carry, six. well, it was wet. Okay, okay. How about Elijah Mitchell for San Francisco? 6.8 yards per attempt. Was it wet? When he ran the ball, six attempts, 41 yards, was it wet for him too? Or how about your other running back, Khalil Herbert, 5.0 yards per attempt? So explain to me why I should give a, you know, why I should care that it was wet for David Montgomery. Actually, Elijah Mitchell had the second highest rushing rate of any running back in the entire NFL behind DeAndre Swift, ahead of Nick Chubb, Ezekiel Elliott, Christian McCaffrey, Miles Sanders, some real serious power hitters there. Elijah Mitchell was number two in that torrential downpour. Weird. Looking at their offensive line, a lot of praise for the offensive line, and to be fair, some of the guys were actually pretty decent. Among all tackles, Larry Borum ranked 12th. Larry Borum is their right tackle. He had a good day. 12th overall, he allowed just one hurry on the day. Their other tackle that they're also very excited about, Braxton Jones ranks 55th out of 66. For context, Royce was 48th. Royce had a better day than Braxton Jones. Braxton Jones gave up two sacks and a hurry. So that's their left tackle. Rookie fifth-round pick left tackle. At guard, pretty similar. Tevin Jenkins was pretty solid at guard. Pass blocking and run blocking, he ranked eighth overall. The other guard spot, the, the um, well, actually, the, the right guard spot was split between Tevin Jenkins and Lucas Patrick. Lucas Patrick was 27th. Cody Whitehair on the other side was 40th out of seventy. And Sam Mustafer was middle of the pack with a 60 overall grade, 18th out of 33, just slightly below average. This is probably one of the best phases of their entire team this past week, was their offensive line. And it wasn't good. You've got, I think, two good players, two mediocre players, and a garbage left tackle. And that was just based on this past week. We'll have to see how that goes. Because Sam Mustafer suddenly figuring out football seems quite unlikely. What about the defense? The Chicago Bears' number one and number two defensive tackles. Where are those guys, I wonder? Angelo Blackson is their number one defensive tackle. Out of 129 defensive tackles, he ranks 126th. He had a 30 overall grade, one pressure on 26 attempts, and nothing else. Their number two defensive tackle, the guy that got the second most amount of snaps, Justin Jones, had a 30.8 overall grade, 124th out of 129. One pressure, 24 snaps, did basically nothing else the rest of the day. So that's it. Those are their top two guys. The best performance that they had is a guy that they're super excited about, Armand Watts, which they should be excited about because he's the only one that wasn't completely pathetic. He ranked 56th. Off the edge, pass rusher number one, Robert Quinn, out of 105 pass rushers, ranked 96th. Three pressures on 27 attempts, which isn't that terrible but he had a 32 run defense grade. Number two pass rusher is al Qadin Muhammad coming in with six less pressures. He ranks 101st out of 105. Two pressures, 21 attempts, 35.8 uh, run defense grade, 27.6 tackling grade, and they actually said he had a terrible pass rush grade. So outside of those two pressures, he must have been pretty useless as a pass rusher as well. 96th and 101st. You also had Travis Gibson, their number three, who ranked 74th. And then there's the shining star, Dominique Robinson. He ranks 7th, tied with Von Miller. He didn't play as much, but the hope among Bears fans is that their 2022 fifth-round pick, which is their hope for everything, apparently, the 2021 fifth-round pick holding down the right side, you got the 2022 fifth-round pick holding down the left side of the offensive line, and now we got a 2022 fifth-round pick out of Miami, Ohio, Dominique Robinson, who's going to be the elite pass rusher supreme. He had a good week one. There's no doubt about it. Three pressures on 15 attempts. Two of them ended up being sacks. Sacks and all that are kind of fleeting, but who knows? Maybe he can hold it up for a year. Best of luck to him. That's their edge four, I think. How about linebacker? My favorite topic. Where, oh, where is my buddy Roquan? 83 linebackers. I know he's up at the top somewhere. Let's see. We got, uh, oh, boy. Yeah, Nick Bolton, man, I really liked that guy. Logan Wilson, I was a fan of that guy, too. He's, Micah Parsons, obviously, is number four there. Levante David, oh, that guy's good. J.O.K., man, that dude's solid. Eric Hendricks had a good day. Quan Alexander, some big names here. Just oh, Bobby Wagner, Mario Davis, Matt Milano. There's Devondre Campbell, we know that guy's pretty good. I'm surprised we haven't seen our guy, though, yet. There's Leighton Vander Esch, a little bounce-back game. Um Boy, oh boy, I just can't see Fred Warner down at 33. There's Quay Walker, the Packers linebacker, the second one at 36. Come on, where is he? Christian Kirksey at 43, Devin White at 44. Kudos to him for not being horrible. Jordan Hicks from Minnesota at 47. Come on, Devin Bush. We're getting down into the 40s now. Where the heck is this guy? I know he can't be in the 40s. Did I miss him? Mac Wilson, 45. Boy, oh boy, oh boy, where could he be? Alex Anzalone, that guy obviously is terrible. He is in the 40s perpetually. It's actually probably pretty good for him. There's our buddy Derek Barnes at 29. That's pretty common for him. Oh my goodness, look at this. Out of 83 linebackers, I had to go to the far bottom. 79th, 28.5 overall grade, 28.4 run defense grade. That's where he always struggles. Usually pretty good in coverage, but a 38.7 coverage grade. Man, that stinks. wonder if it was because he was targeted 10 times. I wonder if that has something to do with it. I don't know. So look, the the, Eddie Jackson graded out pretty well, and Jalen Johnson graded out pretty well at the corner and safety spots. Kudos. Here is the overall point, though: the Bears played like garbage. Not everybody. The uh, what right tackle held it down. The right guard held it down. Khalil Herbert is pretty good. The rookie fifth round pass rusher had a good day on his limited snaps, and Jalen Johnson. And uh, the safety that hasn't had a good year since uh, 2018. That's it. You had, you had like four good players in the entire game. Now, I know some of these guys are going to have bounce back games. I get it. But here's here's the thing. We didn't learn that everything we thought about the Bears was wrong. Everything we thought about the Bears is is worse than we thought. The offensive line did better than I expected. That's true. Justin Fields was worse than I thought he would be. The wide receivers are worse than I thought they would be. Montgomery is infinitely worse than I, I, he's worse than I know he is. The defensive tackles, without any shadow of a doubt, are the worst performing defensive tackles in all of football. Your starting edge rushers are putrid. They didn't do anything. Roquan continues to suck, at least in run defense, which I'm fine with, because hopefully we learn to run the ball more against a horrific group of defensive tackles, edge rushers, linebackers. I get that you won, and I get that the 49ers went to the Super Bowl. I understand all that. And by the way, congratulations, and thanks for doing us a favor. Because if we don't have to see the 49ers in the playoffs, in part because of what you just did, that's fantastic. Thank you for that. But I need you to understand that the Bears are not a good football team. It was was a real special moment, the way you guys slid in in water. That was special. You had your GM come down to the field and high-five everybody. He's got that awesome swagger, the way he walks and stuff. It's so great. It felt good. It's almost like the Bears are kind of starting to try to take on what the Lions are doing. You know, there's just, it's not a good football team, but there's a special energy there. If only they could just have some talent, you know? Man, it would be a special team. They've got everything they need except football players. Boy, oh boy, it—is it feel good though. They rally around their quarterback. They love the coaching staff, the GM. Everything's just so cohesive. If they could, they'd all just buy a plot of land and live in a commune together, you know, and just just spread love to each other in a, you know, totally normal kind of way, just as, as really good friends, and, and more like family, because that's what they are, they're a family. They're a family that sucks at football, and that's okay. The Lions are a family that suck at football, but they make some good TV, and they're a feel-good story, well, not really, because you have to win for it to be a feel-good story, but they're they're a feel good story up until the game then when the when the game happens it doesn't feel as good but you know it just it's just it just feels right it's beautiful you know last year we got to see Justin Fields without a shirt on and um he had a six pack maybe even an eight pack and he got like a million followers on Instagram and that's how you knew there was something special with him but this year the way they slid in water you know there's something special with the team you know what I mean? And 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 we saw the, the GM, the way he walks, you knew he was a good GM. So the GM's got swagger, so he's gonna be good. Justin Fields has a six pack, so he's gonna be good. And then you saw these boys slide in water. And man, you knew the Bears are gonna be a good team. There's nothing left. Everything is accounted for. I was buying into that Lions hype, you know, once we heard the coach talk about biting kneecaps. And then when you see him give these these passionate speeches where he cries in front of grown men. About how much he loves them and everything, it just you just you, you believe in him. and you hear Jamal and, and the passion that they have for each other. But I don't know if it, if it can quite match the passion of sliding in water. That's, a, that's, a, that's another level of, of passion, of grit, you know. Bad football teams don't do that. They might walk through it. they probably walk around it, but they may walk through it. maybe at most, you'll see a little splash in a puddle. Never. And did you see Justin Fields flex? He like did a slide and then jumped up and was like, ah, six pack, you know? Listen, the very obvious point is that the hype is silly. Did you watch the game? If you watched the game without complete Bears bias blinders on, you watched a team that didn't play well. I watched the Packers. I'm a biased Packer fan. I watched them not play well. And guess what? If they would have come back and won that game, Every single Packer fan in the world would have said they won it, but they didn't deserve it. It still didn't feel right. You know how I know because I've been doing this podcast for a long time and I know exactly how we react when we win games that look ugly. And it's not a positive reaction. Bears fans need a little bit of that. They need to be able to watch a win and go, that was a win, but man, that kind of sucked. And I am concerned about our ability to win football games. But that's all right. Like I said, just let them, let them do it. Let the... Uh power rankings put us below the bears. Let them get their wide receiver jabs in. You know what's annoying about that too that just dawned on me? They're going to do victory laps that the Packers didn't do anything about wide receiver and the second Christian Watson goes off, you know what's going to happen? They're going to take credit and say, "See, we told you you got to draft wide receivers. See what happens?" That's all right. That's all right. Just let them do what they got to do. Let them let them do. Well, I, who am I kidding? I'm not going to let them do it. I'm going to call them out on it. But just let them do it and then act accordingly. Anyways, I should probably get out of here. I have spent way too much time um, not only looking at this, but being distracted by getting into arguments with Bears fans, which is, I'm trying to keep it cordial and fun. You know, I'm like putting a lot of gifts in there to try to be funny and some of them don't get it and they get real upset. And then I start getting upset because they're getting upset and they're being stupid. I got to just let it go, man. Just stick with the gifts. Keep it light. Eventually they'll figure out you're joking. And if they don't, then whatever. But you guys have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Goodbye.